Now, I've been asked by a few people, uh, you've, you've gone two weeks now without preaching, Greg. Are you okay? Are you going through that dark night of the soul? Is there a reason, you know, is something wrong? And the answer is, I'm doing great. I'm doing wonderful. I have the time of my life. Except when I'm bending over and then there's a little bit of a, uh, but, uh, but otherwise. Uh, no, it's, I'm doing wonderful. But we have intentionally, during this Beautiful Life series, uh, uh, we, we, we put it into our, our project to have people, uh, other than me, speaking from their area of giftedness and life experience, different ways of looking at the beautiful life. Uh, and it's good for a congregation to be hearing the gospel message from different voices, with different styles and different perspectives. You don't want to get too focused on just one way of, of, of uh, saying it. So I'll be back next week, but this week... Uh, we, we've asked Annie Purdue Olson to come and deliver th this message. Uh, this is a woman that God has been using in some powerful ways. It's been a joy to see her you know, walking in her identity and growing in her identity. And one of the things that's been emerging in her, in her life is, is a calling to teach. And uh, she has a message this weekend, uh, the, the last night in the first service this morning. It's just been powerful. Uh, God's just given her a, a, something that is beautiful that will help our lives become this beautiful life. So would you please give a warm Woodland Hills welcome to Annie Purdue Olson. Annie, come up here. Love the message that God's put on your heart. Amen. And could I just ask uh, a couple dozen people that will keep Annie covered in prayer as she's delivering this message. Uh, just raise your hand if you'll just be a prayer warrior for her. Amen. Wonderful. Okay, you're covered, Annie. <laughs> I'm covered. Deliver it up. I'm covered. All right. We have been in a series, Beautiful Life Is this Series. Is your water or my water? That one would be mine. All right, there you Thank go. you. <laughs> that one would be mine. Um, it's a seven-week series, and we're in week number five. So um, we're getting through it. And uh, before I get into my message, I thought it would be good for me to just recap a little bit about where we've been. So I'd like to start us off by talking a little bit about where we've been. Greg kicked the series off by letting us know that God wants to change our clothes. He wants to give us beauty from the ashes of our life. And Greg introduced us to Pat. Do you guys remember Pat? <laughs> Pat has been a part of our life over the last couple of weeks. We've been bringing him or her into the series. And Pat can be a guy or a gal, whatever relates best to you. Over the last couple of weeks, as I've gotten to know Pat, Pat is a woman. And so throughout the remainder of this sermon, I will be referring to Pat as a she, <laughs> because that's what is most relevant to me. But Pat represents those chaotic moments in our life and trying to find and experience that beautiful life. And Greg told us about Pat, and at that point, Pat was pulled by all these different circles that you saw on the screen. Pat was pulled in all these different directions, creating a fractured life and shattered beauty in Pat's life. And Greg talked about the fact that Pat needs to center and focus on God in order to be able to experience the beautiful life. And then Duane came up and he shared with us that all of us have a deep inner longing and yearning to fill that God space in our life, that we want to connect with God. And we try and fill that space with other things in our life, but we need to understand that that God space is meant for God. We are created in his image. We are created in his image. And Duane talked to us about the fact that we need to know our Father before we can know ourselves. In order to know ourselves, we need to know our Father because we are created in his image. We need to create 
God space in our life. Time for God. Time to connect with him in all of the different circles of our life. And then Scott came and shared with us about the deep inner longing that each of us have to belong. We want a place to belong. And Greg and Scott together shared with us about thinking about our relationships in terms of covenant. So we learned a little bit about covenant. And Scott gave us a very useful analogy, the analogy of thinking about our relationships in terms of a house. And in this analogy of a house, there are certain relationships in our lives that are front yard or front porch relationships. They're acquaintances that we don't go really deep with, and that's okay. We need those kinds of relationships in our life. But for Pat, she also needs to create some type of covenant relationships in her life. And how does Pat do that? Pat draws 10 to 12 covenant relationships from those circles and creates a covenant circle around her. These are the kinds of relationships that go a little deeper into the house. They're the den kind of relationships where you can take off your shoes, a little bit more get to know you is happening, a little bit more connecting is happening here. And then what Pat needs to do is from that group of 10 to 12, choose two to three people that she's going to draw in to her life and give refrigerator rights to. The people that can come in and eat your food. They're the deep connecting kind of people in your life. I was talking to a couple ladies after service last night, and they said for every friend that you give refrigerator rights to, you also got to give them dishwasher rights, right? Yeah, the refrigerator rights friends have to have dishwasher rights. And uh, so these are the people that connect deeply with us. These are those kinds of friendships. So we learned a little bit about how to center and focus our life on God, center and focus our life uh, in, our, in our relationships. So this morning, what I want to share with you is about that deep longing, that inner yearning that each of us have for meaning in life. Why am I here? What is my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Those are all questions that we've all faced. So I've titled this message, Experiencing the Meaningful Life, because we're in that search for meaning in life. So before I get started, let's open up in a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we just invite your presence in this room. Lord, we want to find our meaning in you. We know that this whole series is about focusing our life so that we can experience your beauty. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray that you will continue that work through this message here. Lord, teach all of us what it means to experience the meaningful life. We anoint, Lord Jesus, and we ask for your presence, and we ask for your anointing on this message, Lord Jesus. And I pray that your message will just go forth, that you will prepare all of our hearts for what you specifically want to speak into our lives today. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So why this yearning? Why do we want to know what this meaning is in our life? I have an inborn desire to make a contribution. I want to make a difference. I want to be noticed in the world. I want to leave my mark. When I'm gone, I want the world to say, Annie Purdue Olson was here. We want to make some sort of difference in the world. We want to do something to make the world a better place. The American dream taps into this yearning and tells us that our purpose is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so we spend all of our life trying to strive for that self-fulfillment, that happiness in life. We're looking for it. We follow all of the rules of the world to try and succeed at this purpose that we feel like we're striving for, that will give us meaning, that will ultimately give us meaning. But the more we strive, the more we find out how empty we are. 
We're not getting there. We're not reaching it. We aren't finding the meaning that we're looking for. And the reason is, is because we yearn for God's beauty. The yearning that has been born within us was given by God because he has designed us for a very specific purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. We are created for good works. He has designed us. He has shaped us. He has created us for a reason, for a purpose. But before we can even uncover the plan and the purpose that he has for us, we have to believe in the beauty. We have to believe that he, we are his handiwork. So as we're uncovering this meaningful life, the first thing we need to uncover in the mystery of the meaningful life is we need to believe in our God-given beauty. We need to believe that God has actually designed us and shaped us to be beautiful, that we are his handiwork, that he has crafted us to be beautiful. So why don't we believe we're beautiful? Why is it so hard to believe that we're beautiful? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because the world tells us we're not. We are bombarded with messages from the world that we're not beautiful. It's a competitive world out there, and in order to survive, you need to compete. And the values of this world are achievement and competition, and we strive for that and we go after that. And so those values of our society co-opt the values of our God-given beauty. And in the midst of the world and the pressures of the world and the values that we're bombarded with in this world, we our value as God-given, beautiful kingdom people is lost in the middle of that. We need to believe in our God-given beauty. You know, I happen to uh, be on the email subscription list for the Gallup polls, and so I get these email subscriptions from them about different studies that they're doing on a regular basis. And I think it's the business pastor in me coming out that I like numbers. Not so much the number crunching stuff, but I think numbers have a story to tell us. And just like words can tell us a story, numbers can tell us a story. And the Gallup poll folks have done a great job of collecting some wonderful data that tells us a story about the world that we live in here in America. And so I'd like to share one of those Gallup studies with you on this issue of beauty in the world because oftentimes the beauty of this world is what we buy into. And the beauty of this world and the values of this world tell us that our beauty is only skin deep and that what matters in this world is our physical attractiveness. That's what matters. That's what's beautiful in this world because you can, can go places with that. And it takes over the value of our God-given beauty because we're defining ourselves by the worldly beauty of physical attractiveness. But let's see what the Gallup poll has to say about this. This was a question that was presented to over a thousand people. Here's the question. Now, thinking about physical attractiveness, that is how beautiful or handsome a person is, how important... Do you think a person's physical attractiveness is in our society today in terms of his or her happiness, social life, and ability to get ahead? So in other words, how important is physical attractiveness to success in life as defined by the world? How important is physical attractiveness? Here's the answer. From these, this group of over 1,000 people, 76% of the respondents said that physical attractiveness is either important or very important for success in life. 
physical attractiveness, 76%. You know, when I read that, I was very disappointed. I'm disappointed, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, because this is how the world defines our beauty. And the reality is, is when I look at this, this is an experience that I've had, and it's an experience that probably all of you had, is that our physical attractiveness matters more than our God-given beauty in this world. And you know what? This may be what the truth of the world is, and this may be the message that we get from the world, but it's not God's message. It's not God's beauty. But you know what? It is what we experience. And you know, I've experienced this, and you probably have experienced it too. About five years ago, my husband passed away from cancer. And after 18 months of going through chemotherapy treatments and all that I needed to do to care for him, I gained quite a bit of weight. And eating right and dieting at that time in my life wasn't a very important thing. It wasn't a high priority. So I gained quite a bit of weight. And then after he passed away, the grieving at that moment in my life was much more important what I was going through than changing any sort of diet or eating habits. So I gained even more weight. And... um, After about a year and a half, I realized that because of some physical problems I was experiencing, that I needed to do something about that. God was beginning a spiritual healing in me, and in that spiritual healing, I felt that I had the strength to be able to take this on. And so for reasons of physical health and spiritual healing, I went forward with changing my diet and exercise, and over the next 18 months, I lost 70 pounds. And you know what was surprising to me, most surprised me most about that experience in my life is how much I was recognized for my weight loss, how I was treated differently, how people looked at me differently after I had lost the weight. Not everybody, but enough people to make me notice. And you know what? I started to believe this was true about me. I started to believe that my physical attractiveness is what mattered. Because people noticed it. People were acknowledging it. I was getting attention for it. I was getting recognized for it. So I started believing this particular lie that says that my physical attractiveness is what matters. And you know what I've learned is is that when we get sucked into a lie like this, there's only one way out. And that one way is truth. And that one way is the truth of Scripture. And every time the world comes at us with a lie, like physical attractiveness is all that matters, We need to confront it with the truth. And I want to tell you what the Bible told me about my physical attractiveness. The Bible told me that beauty is so much more than that. In Genesis, in the first chapter of Genesis, it says that we are made in God's image. And God is beautiful. All of the worship songs that we were singing this morning were telling us about God's indescribable beauty. And you know what? He shared that with with us when he created us. We are made in his image. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his handiwork. He has shaped us. He has made us. He has designed us. We are beautiful because he has made us beautiful. Now, that is an important message. We need to get this. We need to get this. We are in his image. We are created by him. We are beautiful. This is not the definition of our beauty. We have to throw this away. Get rid of it. It's a lie we no longer believe. And you know what? King David got it. And when King David got it, he cried out to the Lord in joy in a psalms, and I want to read it to you. I don't have it up on the slides on purpose because I want you to really listen. I want you to really listen to how King David got it. He got it that he was made in God's image. And he got it that God had crafted him and made him. Psalms 139, verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You designed me. 
I am your handiwork. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I am yours. You knit me together. You put me together. You crafted me. I praise you. I am so excited. You are an amazing God because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The glory is yours. I am a reflection of you. Your works are wonderful, Lord. You are beautiful, Lord. You have made me beautiful. I know that full well. Okay, I embellished it just a little bit. But that's what was in David's heart. you got to know that's what he was saying. God, you are so amazing. When we get this, when we get this truth, we no longer have to believe in that lie. It no longer we get sucked in by the lie of the world that says that physical attractiveness is what matters. And you know, the world is still going to bombard us with that lie. And every time it comes, we got a shield. This is what's going to keep us from getting sucked in by that lie. Believe the truth. And the truth is, is that you are beautiful. You know, there's another thing that keeps us from believing in the beauty. And that is the message that the world tells us that we're not good enough. That we don't have the right stuff. We don't have what it takes. You know, as I was thinking about this this week, I was realizing uh, in application to myself that I'm not sure I have the right stuff. When I think about the other people who have presented to you during this Beautiful Life series, when I think of Greg and I think of Scott and I think of Duane, these are some folks who are some amazing theologians. And I'm a business pastor. I'm not a theologian. I don't have the right education. I don't have the right experiences. I don't have the right stuff to be standing up here in front of you right now talking to you. I don't got it. So why am I up here? Why am I up here? The reason I'm up here is because I believe that God has given me a message to share with you. And I believe, and those people around me have affirmed that this message is for you. And I believe that in some small way, God has given me a set of gifts to be able to deliver the message to you. And those gifts have been affirmed by the leadership and others around me. The reason that I'm here is because I am not letting the limitations that this world wants to put on me decide what God can do. We have to be careful not to let God be defined by the limits of this world. He can do so much more than that. There's a young man in scripture who had to learn this lesson as well, and he's in 1 Timothy. Timothy had gotten also caught up, I think, in a little bit of a lie of the world, and so Paul had a message to send him. And Paul said to Timothy in chapter 4, verse 12, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Let's think about that for a minute. Don't let anyone look down on you because of some worldly definition that says you have to meet this criteria in order to be successful. Don't let the world look down on you because you are not a theologian, Annie. Let's put a blank there. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are blank. What's your fill in the blank? What is it that the criteria is that the, you feel like the world is telling you that you need to meet in order for God to move in your life or through you? Don't let anyone look down on you because you are blank. But set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in impurity. Don't let anyone look down on you, but let the beauty of God flow through you in whatever you say, in whatever you do, in who you are, wherever you are. Don't worry about the criteria of this world. Don't worry about the fill in the blank. What you need to do is just let the beauty of God flow through you. 
That's what Paul's message was to Timothy. But he charges it up here just a little bit in verse 14. Paul says, Timothy, do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. You know what? We can't neglect the gift. So you cannot, it's not only don't get sucked in by the message of the world, but be the beauty that God has given you to be. We cannot neglect the gift. If there is somebody in your life, the elders of the church in this case, who has been telling you, you have a gift, you are gifted, you can't neglect that gift. That's Paul's instruction to us. That is God's message to us. Don't neglect the gift that you have been given. Don't neglect the beauty that God has given you. When we believe in the beauty that God has given us, he can do through us more than what we could ever imagine. Because it's not about us. It's about God flowing through us. It's about him at work through our lives and in our lives. We need to embrace who we are. What is it that's keeping you from believing in God's beauty in your life? What is the lie that you're holding on to that prevents God's beauty from flowing through you? We need to come against those lies with Scripture and the truth and believe what God has shared with us. This word can be a source of truth in our life to combat the messages of the world. Your friends, covenant friends in your life can speak truth into your life. You need to let them in so that they can discount the lies that you may be getting sucked in by. And you know what? If you're having trouble embracing your beauty, I would encourage you to attend our Discover Your Gifts class that's coming up in two weeks. In that class, we take a look at ourselves and the beauty that God has given to us. We discover who we are, how God has designed us, and what we do best in the world based on the way that God has designed us. And so I encourage you to take a look at your bulletin, to go back to the information table, get a brochure, find out more about that class. Use that as a springboard to discover the beauty that God has given you. We need to embrace the beauty. So let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. Because once we start understanding that God has gifted us in a particular way, that he has made us beautiful, then we have a part to play. We have a role to play. And 1 Peter talks to us a little bit about this role. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. And scripture is very quick to remind us here that it's not just about the fact that God has given us gifts and that, that we have a purpose with those gifts, but that he wants to flow through us, that those gifts are his gifts. Let's take a look at the scripture here. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various form. Each of you should use whatever gift you have to serve others. We have a role to play. We have a purpose in life. God has given us these gifts for a purpose. But it goes on to say here in verse 11 that this is not just about you and your gifts. It's about God. Verse 11, if you speak you should do so as the one who speaks the very words of God. If you serve, you should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised. If you speak, you're speaking the words of God. When we speak, we need to allow God to speak through us. When we are serving, it is because God enables us to do so. It is through him it, working through us that we are able to do any of those things. And it is for him that we are serving. It is for him to have a voice, a way to flow his beauty into this world. And you know what? The beauty of that is, is in that last part of that verse 11, there's a so that there. Did you hear it? The so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. 
all that we do is about bringing glory to God. We are speaking his words. We are doing his works. And it's all about bringing glory to him. And that's what is the second thing that is so important in uncovering this meaningful life. We need to believe in our God-given beauty, but we also need to be sharing that beauty. We need to be sharing that beauty with the world. It's not given to us for our own gain. It's not given to us for our own self-fulfillment. It's given to us so that we can share it with the world. It's allowing Jesus to flow through you. Jesus himself talked about this. He made this also an important word in John, the book of John, chapter 15, verse 4. Jesus says to us, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. We are vessels shaped by God so that he can pour his beauty out into the world. I was talking with a friend this week about this part of the message. And she gave me a picture that I've been just soaking in all week. And it's this picture of the living water, Jesus, rushing forth through us. The living water rushing forth into the world. That is God's beauty as he pours it out, as he pours his living water out through us. His living water spreads out to the world. And as I pondered that picture, she actually had compared it to an aqueduct. I don't know how many of you know what an aqueduct is. I had to learn a little bit about what an aqueduct is. It's really modern-day plumbing in many ways, shape, or forms. It's a, it was a channel that was built to carry water from a source to the people who needed it for irrigation, for clean drinking water, for bathing. It was modern-day plumbing. <laughs> but this channel that was built was connected to a source, a source of clean water. And in that connection to the source, if it wasn't connected to the source, it couldn't carry the water to the people. The purpose of the aqueduct is to bring the water to the people that needed it. But in order for it to be able to do that, the aqueduct had to be connected to a source of clean water. That's what Jesus is talking about here in John chapter 15 when he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. You can do nothing without me. He is our source. Without him, we can do nothing. When we stay connected to Jesus, he is the living water that rushes forth through us. We are the aqueduct that he shapes so that he can bring his living water to the world. And you know, an aqueduct is very beautiful. Some of the aqueducts are underground. A big part of them are underground. But the aqueduct has to be shaped around the contours of the land because it has to be able to bring the water to the people and it has to do it at an angle so that the water will rush using gravity. And it has to be shaped around the land. And sometimes it has to come above land in order to be able to shape around the landscape. And when it did that, the people who designed these architects made them beautiful. This is a picture here of an aqueduct that was built in France. Isn't it beautiful? The architecture, the arches, it has such beauty to it, external beauty to it. But it's beauty with a purpose. It's designed to be able to shape around the contours of the land to take the water to the people who need it. Not all aqueducts look like this. The aqueducts were different based on the needs of the land, based on the needs of the people and how it shaped around that. This is another picture of an aqueduct in Japan. Very different. Very different based on the needs of the people and the contours of the land. Aqueducts are shaped differently based on the needs of the land. And I believe this is true about us too. God shapes us 
differently. Based on our journey in life and our experiences in life, he uses those to shape us so that he can bring his living water to the people who need it the most. We can be like an aqueduct, connected to the source of the living water, allowing that to rush and flow through us to the world that so desperately needs his beauty. God created us beautiful, like an aqueduct. It's not for our own self-fulfillment, but it's so that that living water can rush forth. We are here to glorify him and be a reflection to the world. Matthew chapter 5 talks more about this reflection. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Jesus is speaking again, and he says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. God has created us so that we will release his beauty. We can't put it under a bowl. We need to allow his beauty to be released in the world. And you know, going back to that aqueduct analogy, just for a moment, when we believe those lies that we're not beautiful and that we don't have what it takes, we're stopping that living, rushing water from flowing forth to the people who need it the most. That's why combating those lies with the truth is so important. We have to believe that we're beautiful so that God can flow his living, rushing water through us. And that's important. We cannot release the flow of the living water if we don't hold on to the truth and if we believe in those lies. So we need to release the beauty on the world. We need to be a light to the world. And that's my third point here in uncovering this meaningful life and the mysteries of this meaningful life, is we need to be releasing God's beauty into the world. Now here's where it got a little complicated for me this week. How do we release God's beauty into the world? How do we practically do this? So I started talking about Pat, talking with Pat about this, and her and I started fighting about it. It was not a pretty sight. We just couldn't figure this one out. It was tough. Because you know what's happening in Pat's life is that Pat is simplifying her life. She's creating God space in her life. She's joining some of her circles. She's drawing her covenant relationships from those circles. She's simplifying her life. And to what end? What is the purpose? How is she going to release her beauty in this simplified life? You know, the simple answer is that she will release her beauty within her circles. And so we were thinking about that for a while. But here's the dilemma with that, is, is that Pat is releasing her beauty in areas that she's most comfortable. It's people that she has similar career interests with, similar volunteer interests, similar hobby interests. It's people that she connects with, her families and friends. And I'm not saying that she shouldn't release her beauty in those places, but it's starting to sound an awful lot like the American dream to me, that it's about our own happiness, it's about our own comfort. It's starting to sound a little bit more like the comfortable life than the beautiful life. And everything that I've been just learning about sharing our beauty and believing in our beauty doesn't lead me to believe that I get to have a comfortable life. That's not what I hear God promising us. I hear God promising us a beautiful life and that that might not always be comfortable. We might have to look at our circles just a little bit differently. We can't get hooked by the American dream and get lulled into the patterns of this world. 
Romans 12.2 says to us, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. Then, when you are transformed, as you are being transformed, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We need to be transformed. We need to be in the process of being transformed, and that means looking at our circles in a little bit of a different way. We're not trying to create a comfort zone here. We're trying to fulfill God's purpose for our life. We're trying to find meaning in our life. If we default back to that comfort zone, we're going to be back in the same empty place we were when we started. This is not about creating a comfort zone. It's about fulfilling God's will for our life, fulfilling his purposes, and in that we find meaning. So there was a couple people that had to help Pat and I out this week as we tried to uncover what this transformation might look like in Pat's life. And you know, I was, it was interesting as I was preparing for this sermon, I looked at the schedule of who was on for Spotlight this week, and it was the adoption ministry. And I thought, Pat, you and I have something to learn from the adoption ministry. You know, those folks, those families, have taken a look at their family circle and redefined it. They said, you know what? Our family is going to be bigger than the biological ties of those that are connected to us. They have decided to step out of their comfort zone and stretch that family circle to include people that aren't biologically connected to them, to share God's beauty with some children who maybe aren't experiencing a whole lot of beauty in their lives, to bring Jesus to them in a way of embracing them into their home and into their family and giving them the love. You heard the stories. I am sure that that wasn't always comfortable for them. I'm sure that it was very difficult for them at times, but they chose to do it because they were called to stretch their circles. And it might be that God is calling Pat to stretch her circles. It might be that God is calling me to take a look at my circles and stretch them to include something that might not be quite as comfortable as I thought. We learned a lesson from someone else today, this week, Pat and I. We learned a lesson from Mike. Now, Mike and I have a lot in common because we have a passion for fishing. And if you were here for my sermon in August, you heard a little bit about my fishing passion and my fishing stories. And you know what? Fishing is a, a great hobby. And Mike is a fly fisherman, and he loves to fish. But you know what? Mike has taken a look at his hobby in a little different way. He's taken a look at that circle of a hobby in his life, and he said, you know what, I'm not going to only catch trout that look like that. Isn't that a beautiful trout? Big one. I'm not only going to catch trout like that, but I'm going to go fishing for Jesus. I'm going to become a fisher of men. And he uses his fishing hobby in order to be able to invite others who haven't experienced a relationship with God to go on fishing trips with him. And as they're fishing together, he shares Christ with them. And they have come, some have come into a saving relationship with Christ. Because what Mike has done is he's taken his hobby, a circle that could have just been for his own self-satisfaction and his own fulfillment, and he's joined that circle with his ministry. And he said, you know what? I'm going to take a look at this circle and I'm going to ask God, how can I use this for a kingdom purpose? How can I use this for something to be able to advance your kingdom? That's the question that Mike teaches us. And you know, something about fishing is, is that it's kind of nice to do alone, to get in touch with nature, to not be gabbing and talking and distracting the fish, you know. But 
Mike has walked outside of his comfort zone and said, you know what, I'm going to take this hobby and I'm going to use it for a kingdom purpose. We learned a lesson from Mike. Mike might be asking Pat to take a look at her circles and say, how can you use this circle for a kingdom circle, a kingdom purpose? How can you transform this circle into a kingdom purpose? And he might be saying that to you or to I. I learned a lesson from another very important person in my life this week. I learned a lesson from my husband. Bernard and I have been married for about two years, and in that two years, God has been doing some pretty incredible things in my life about teaching me about what my calling is and what my mission is in life. And so I figured it's a good thing to every once in a while, you know, maybe if God's trying to uncover a mission for your life, you should ask your husband what his is, right? So I went to Bernard and I said, Bernard, what is your mission in life? What is your mission? And his answer surprised me because his answer was, my mission in life, what I feel like God has called me to right now in my life is to support my family. That's my mission in life. And I was so surprised by that because you have to understand that my husband was single all his life and he was, had the good career, he had the education, he had all of the things that you would think of in worldly terms would define success. And he took in, he chose me, a widow with two kids, and he took us in and he embraced us into his heart and into his life. And that in and of itself is a beautiful thing. I mean, who wouldn't want that? He loves me. He chose me. All of those things are wonderful. And I know his love for me is strong. But you know what? God called him to more than that. God called him to support me and to help me fulfill my mission and to help my two kids fulfill their mission in life. God took that circle of family in his life and made it a priority. And I get to be a recipient of the beauty of that priority. And I don't know how that can not knock your socks off. <laughs> I don't know what wife in the whole world wouldn't just be totally surprised and touched by that. But what we learn from Bernard is, is that sometimes God is going to call us to prioritize a particular circle in our life. And he's going to say, this is the one I want you to focus on right now. This is what I want you to spend your time and energy on. Now, it doesn't mean that Bernard doesn't still have a job. He still works. And he's still involved in his music band, which is his hobby. And he's still doing all of those things that are in the other circles. But the reality is, is that God has said, in this circle, I want you to focus your time, your energy, your prayers, your heart. I want you to invest here more than any of the other circles in your life. We can learn from Bernard. What is the circles that God is calling you to invest in? What is it that he wants to say, for this season in your life maybe, I want you to be prioritizing this. God may turn your whole circles inside out. He might say, you know what? I want you to change your job. I don't want you to work here anymore. I want you to work here now. And that might take you across the country and it might take you around the world. I want you to do something totally different. And we need to be open. As God is transforming our lives, he will reveal to us what his good, pleasing, and perfect will is for us. And he will transform those circles. And we need to allow him to move through us. We can learn a lot from the adoption ministry. We can learn a lot from Mike. We can learn a lot from Bernard. And you may even be able to think of other people in your life who have transformed their circles, who have looked at them totally differently, that it's not about a comfort zone, that it's about something more than a comfort zone. Uh, the meaning in our life, the reason we are here, 
God has shaped us and designed us for a very specific purpose. And that purpose is to be vessels so that his beauty can flow through us to the world. We are vessels of that living, rushing water, and he wants to flow through us. We have been made beautiful so that we can give beauty to the world. I'd like you to pray with me now. Close your eyes and just really soak in the beauty of God right here that's in this place. He is so beautiful. He loves us so much. And he has made us beautiful. And he has something that he wants to give you and to do through you. He wants you to experience the meaningful life. Lord Jesus, we want that. We want to experience the meaningful life, Lord. Show us how to look at our circles differently so that they don't become our comfort zone, but that they become the way that you can move through us to bring beauty to this world that so desperately needs it. Lord Jesus, I just pray that this message will go forth and that you will begin working in our hearts and our lives in how you want to transform our circles. Transform our circles, Lord Jesus. If there is someone here and you have been feeling like you're not so beautiful, maybe you've been bombarded with experiences in your life and people in your life who have hit you hard with some of the lies of this world and you've soaked them in and you've kind of gotten sucked in by them and you need to be released from those lies. When we're closed with this prayer, there will be altar workers at the front here and I want you to come forward in order to be able to pray with someone that you will be able to experience God's beauty, that you will be able to rid yourself of those lies and embrace the beauty that God has for you. And for some of you, you're struggling with, what is this next step for me? How am I supposed to share this beauty? I need God's discernment. I need to know what his will is as I sort all of these circles out in my life. If you need help, someone to pray with you to sort out these circles in your life, I welcome you to come forward to this altar and pray with one of our altar workers. Maybe you ha haven't even experienced God's beauty. You don't even know what that's like. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus into your life and you're like, I want to be a part of that beautiful kingdom. I want to tap into that. I invite you to come forward too. Pray with one of our altar workers and they'll share with you about what it means to be walking with Christ and to have that relationship with him. Lord Jesus, I pray for each person here that you will speak to our hearts. Speak to those who need to come forward and pray and receive prayer and to receive from you right now. That they will not be intimidated as people are walking out, but will come forward anyway and be able to receive from you. Lord Jesus, be with us as we go from this place. Be with us and let us reflect beauty in our families. Let us reflect beauty in our circles. But Lord, let us look at our circles and ask you how to transform them. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Go with God. Be beautiful.